Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. You're still a fucking asshole. Ho, ho, ho. Live in the story of the Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. If a 10 pound bag of shit could talk, this is what it would sound like. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. Are you always such an idiot? Or do you just show off when I'm around? Hello everybody, two douchebags and a microphone. I'm Mark. I'm Christopher. Welcome. You you can call me Topher if you want. Yes. <clears throat> Just don't call me Chris. And don't call him Tofu. <laughs> yeah. Just Topher. <laughs> I like Topher. Topher is actually a cool sounding name. I, I've always liked Topher um, and Christopher. But uh, but Chris is yeah that's that's just not me. I you know it's a fine name. Yeah, you know, I I know a lot of people who named Chris. And you look fine like people. a Christopher. You do not look like a Chris. Yeah, I I never thought so. I never thought I was a Christopher. So I I identify as a Christopher instead of a Chris. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's the way it's got to be. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, we're going to start off with um, this year's. Word of the year, according to the Oxford Dictionary. Alrighty. It is Goblin Mode. Goblin Mode. That yes. sounds exciting, actually. Yeah, it does, and it's pretty interesting. So, um, Goblin Mode is um, the reason it's Word of the Year is because it's the one used all over now. It's like the craze thing. You know, all the yeah. kids are going, yeah. oh man, you're in Goblin Mode. So, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, Oxford English Dictionary defines Goblin Mode as. A slang term as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically oh. in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Gotcha. It's most often okay. in a sentence as in goblin mode or to go goblin mode. Okay, well, I, I was going to guess it was like a version of being in beast mode, you which see, means you're getting strong yeah, I and thought, powerful I thought and getting beast shit done. beast was out and goblin was in. Yeah, but goblin means you're just being a self-indulgent prick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, we never did say That's we're hilarious. at. That's hilarious. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we're going to be self-indulgent here. That's yes, sure. we are. We are on uh, Sky's Lounge. This is the revolving restaurant on top of... The old Hyatt, which is now the Sheridan in downtown yeah. Kansas City. And man, you have to strap in. This thing is spinning fast. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, what does it go around once every like, 12 minutes or every, something? Every, once every 17 minutes, I think, yeah. it's set up on the board. Yeah, so. yeah it is so slow. <laughs> You don't really realize no, you're revolving no. until you look out and you go, wait a minute, what happened to the Western Auto sign? Right, right. Uh, it's, oh, you know, the scenery there. moves so slowly that it, yeah. it, it would take a pretty sensitive person to feel any kind of motion sickness I would think. Yeah, and if you if we sound a little bit different, it's because we're in the corner because of the acoustics and also they didn't want us in general population. Yeah. They found a corner for us. Yes, they did, and we're lucky because we didn't know we were going to do this. We're carrying all this stuff up and you have to go up a special elevator. Kind of like the space needle. Yes, <clears throat> yeah. The Space Needle, I enjoyed that a lot. That was yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I want to go back there. I don't remember too much of it, but I remember being there and looking out. But. 
Well, it's we'll really it interesting the way they have it leaning and all the glass. Yeah. I mean, if you're not used to it, you're going to be way back up in there. You're not going to. Yeah. I, I got down in there, but yeah. <laughs> my old job, I used to routinely be up on heights yeah. and in areas like that, so it didn't bother me. But if someone's not used to heights, the Space Needle would bother them at first. Yeah, I remember one of my kids was, you know, standing back in the center to where the elevators were, and he's like, nope, not going near those windows. No, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anyhow, Sky's Lounge is open for a limited time. It's a Christmas pop-up bar, basically. Yeah, it's really Although they, they do have hors d'oeuvres here, and, you mm -hmm. know, and those little, what are those little cracker-looking things? I they say it's like some sort of a duck butter or some shit or something? Yeah, you know, traditionally it's, uh, what do they call, foie gras, which is like foie gras, that's it. goose yeah. liver goose paste. Goose liver paste, yeah. yeah. But sometimes it's duck or, you know, now there are vegan options that are similar. Yeah. Uh, hell, I saw a show the other day that showed how they make caviar, fake caviar out of kelp, seaweed. Isn't that <laughs> wow. weird? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So... You know, no pregnant yeah. fish were harmed in the yeah. harvesting of this caviar. <laughs> I, I asked for mozzarella sticks, and the guy gave me a dirty look, so yeah. I guess they're not that type of place. Oysters Rockefeller. Get the Oysters Rockefeller. Okay. That's, and, I've had that before, back when it was a full-time restaurant. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, when uh, it was actually, uh, what was the name of the restaurant? I forgot. Skies, it, I think it was. Was still it still Skies? Yeah, uh -huh. okay. It was just a different hotel it was on top of. Okay. But okay, yeah, it was on top of the Hyatt. Now it's changed over. Yeah, and it's the Sheridan. <clears throat> so there's a new Sheridan in town. Yep. Then a little bit later on, we're gonna go into uh, me and Christopher's um, Christmas packs that we got from the Filthy Bean in yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I understand they're doing a pretty good business. They are. Yeah. Rick said that his business has picked up internet-wise. Mm -hmm. So. He had to contribute that to us because that's our our place there. Yeah. Internet. And yeah. we have great numbers out of Nashville. Uh -huh. And yeah. thank you guys again. We, we mentioned this last that. couple of couple of podcasts ago. Thank you. We're gonna have to get someone to go over there and, and take pictures of themselves in the booth that we were sitting or the table we were sitting. Yeah, if you ask and Rick make that a thing. <laughs> Rick, you'll know Rick because he's walking around there and he'll tell you, you know, hey, I'm the owner, is there anything I can do and all that. So ask Rick where Two douchebags and microphone um, did their podcast. Yeah, yeah, and they'll direct you. He'll direct you to the booth. Yeah, if you get enough people taking selfies there, that could catch on, and that yeah. could be cool. Yeah. So Rick wants us to. Um, I, you have A and I have B of the Christmas packs. Excuse me. Yes. And they have different blends, and we're going to go over some of them, and probably the next podcast go over a yeah, few more of them. Brew some up, and you know. See how yeah. we liked them. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, I'll thank you, Rick. We know you listen to every podcast. And yeah. thank you, Nashville, for the great numbers we're getting out of there. I mean, it, it's really, really, I don't know why that we have these hot pockets. Denver is a hot pocket. We're having all kinds of downloads from Denver, all I'm, kinds of downloads from uh, um, Nashville. And what? I have a, I have a theory. What is it? Because we we tell it like it is about the NFL teams, about Derrick Henry not being all that. Yeah. So people in Nashville who agree with us are probably downloading more podcasts. Same with Denver when we say about Russell Wilson being the worst thing that ever happened to your franchise. Yes, and I know they agree. Yeah. I have a lot of friends in Denver, and they <laughs> agree. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm nothing against Russell Wilson as a player, as a person. As a person, he's a fine person. Yeah. It's just. 
the deal that it took to get him there is going to destroy the Denver Broncos for it the future. It already has, pretty much. You know, it's not just his. You know, he could play fine for the rest of the year, and still the Broncos are going to be in the hole, it, climbing out for the next decade. It's kind of like this if you don't understand the uh, um, the financial of mm-hmm. a salary cap and all that. So yeah. let's say you took and you have four hundred thousand dollars to work with. And you have all these houses. One of them is just a little piece of shit, little shed in a bad part of town. And the other ones are like nice homes in a decent part of town. You buy the shed Uh in the nasty part of town. Uh That's what they just did. They bought the shed in the nasty part of town that they'll never be able to recoup their money from. And And then they put in a a $50,000 pool. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And believe me, Denver, we're not telling you anything. Ooh, you guys fairy dust. Do you hear that? Fairy yes, dust. Yes, I did. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Um, for anybody who doesn't remember, you'll have to Google this, but Google the Herschel Walker trade. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, coincidentally, he just <laughs> lost the Senate seat in uh, in Georgia. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, back when he was just a football player. Yeah. Um, well, he's not a senator either. So. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, yeah, here's in a nutshell. He was a, a Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. No, he was he was a, a Dallas Cowboy Dallas player. Cowboy, yes. Yes. And the Cowboys were sucking canal water big time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had just gotten Troy Aikman, but they were still like 2-14 and 14, um, and having all sorts of trouble. Minnesota thought they were one running back away from a, a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So they sent Dallas like a ton of draft picks and some players just to get Herschel Walker. And Walker didn't do squat for the Vikings. No. But all the stuff that Minnesota got in trade, I mean, that Dallas got in trade, that's how they bid, built their big dynasty with Emmett Smith mm-hmm. and, and Troy, uh, Aikman, Troy Aikman and Michael and Irvin. Michael Irvin and and there, was, um, there was another oh, receiver. What was their tight end that they Novacek? had? Novacek. Jay Novacek. And, yeah. Uh, um, well, anyhow, Moose I mean, Johnston. Moose Johnson, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that that's what built that they, franchise they that started like winning seven, all those Super Bowls. Seven draft picks, and then Jimmy Johnson came from college. Yeah, and he was familiar with these draft with picks. all these draft picks. Yeah, and he was uh-huh. like, "Get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy." So uh-huh. it was set into motion by this trade, this disastrous trade to the Vikings, mm-hmm. who just sucked after that yeah. and did horrible. And they gave him like seven or eight picks for this guy. Yeah. The only thing it could also, almost rival it was the Ricky Williams trade. Y- yeah. And yeah. that was with Mike Ditka uh-huh. in New Orleans. He gave up every single draft pick for he Ricky had Williams. in the entire draft in order to move up and pick Ricky. It's hard to believe that Mike Ditka yeah. was a Super Bowl winning coach that yeah. had like some of the some of the all time, well at least interesting like uh, Jim McMahon and uh, um, Richard Dent. Yeah. Uh, um, or, uh, let's see. William the Refrigerator Perry. Perry. There's a Hampton. Yeah, Hampton. Let's see um, who else. Uh, uh, Dewerson was in the backfield. I mm-hmm. think Dewerson wasn't he the one we wore number forty six. And that's what the 46 defense is named after. Yes, yeah, I believe you're um, right on that. It's not, you know, four players in this group and six and that. It's, it's you know, the number 46 on the mm-hmm. jersey, which I didn't know for a number of years. Um, yeah, that was... No, bit, you know what? Me neither. And I, I remember reading that in hindsight and going, yeah, wow, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, 
That's why it's always 46 instead of 4-6. Four yeah, it's 46. Like 4-3 or 3-4. Yeah. Four, and then yeah. there's 46 instead of 4-3 or 4-2 yeah. or 2-4 or whatever. It was and right there in front of us. It, it's not like naming the <laughs> positions of the players and how they are going to counteract an offense. Yeah. It's just named after a guy's number. Yeah. And he was apparently, you know, the key or the playmaker or something. But. Mm-hmm. So I would expect Seattle now to build a franchise to rival, you know. Geno the... Smith has been really good. Yeah, yeah, he He's has. A, he did have, let's see, I'm trying to think. No, I think uh, uh, Tua Taggy, Tagley Ovlia or whatever. uh um, uh, anyhow, for Miami? Tua. Yeah, for Miami. Yeah. Tagli and Ovlio. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uvula. Tagla, uvula. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Tua, Taga, uvula. Um, <laughs> his uh, quarterback ratings went down significantly in their three-game uh, losing streak here. Yeah, I'll bet. So um, I think Geno Smith is the leader in the quarterback passer rating. But that's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, it's good to have that, but what Patrick Mahomes holds is better because he holds yardage, he holds... uh, Past TDs. Past TDs, the quarterback rating, but also, what was the other thing? There's another stat. It's a rating, but it means more than the the QBR rating, and I forgot what the name of it is, but it goes by everything. Mm -hmm. It, It takes all the stats, basically... Blends them all together and gives you a rating, and that one holds more air. But the 1061 or whatever Geno Smith has is excellent. Yeah. And everybody thought the guy was an ass bag. Mm-hmm. Everybody but Pete Carroll. Yeah. Pete Carroll sent uh, Russell Wilson off to Denver, and they were laughing all the way. And mm-hmm. everybody was going, man, what an old fool. And once again, once again, Pete Carroll proved that he's not just a college coach, but he's also one of the best NFL coaches. Yeah, he he knows his crap. Yes, he does. And he was viewed as an old fool when they brought when they got him. They're like, oh fuck, another yeah, college coach. I remember coach. that. Yeah. I remember Everybody that. was dogging him, making fun uh-huh. of him. And then he drafted Russell Wilson, undersized guy, never going to do it. <laughs> well, now maybe he's not, but he did but two he sure, Super Bowls in a row, one won them. Yeah, and he sure paid off for Seattle. I mean, he gave all that to Seattle, and then as a parting gift, yeah, <laughs> they got all that stuff from Denver. Yeah, in trade for. And him. what's Carroll gonna do? So build it, his team around it. Yeah, so it's like it's like free money getting Russell Wilson. For the Seahawks, Pete Carroll would be one of the guys. They got more with him going out the door than than. Ah, that's amazing. Pete Carroll would be one of the guys I would love to talk to one on one. Yeah, I would love to ask him certain questions <clears throat> to get his thought just on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It'd be like so. Go ahead. I just had a great idea. What? Let's ask each other which old timey football coach would we like to have a dinner with where you could talk about football? You know, I'm talking going back to the 50s up till now. doesn't have to be living, you know. No, 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 I, I got what yeah. you're saying. Like Han, Hank Stram. Yeah. 
Hank Stram, I would love to um, have dinner with him, not just because he was such a great coach uh-huh. and a Super Bowl winning coach, but he had a unique way of presenting things. He really did, yeah. The way he talked. And he was just a big, fun, happy kind of guy. Yeah, you know, I, think, he really was. I think I answered it right there. Yeah. Mine would be Hank Stram. I, I think mine, and this, I came to this pretty quickly, uh, Tom Flores. That would have been in my top three. Yeah. Tom Flores might be my second. Yeah, because he was he was a backup on the Chiefs when we won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then he went to play for the Raiders, mm-hmm. and then he was also head coach of the Seahawks. Yes, in addition to being you know a position coach or assistant coach in he, other places, he was one hell of a coach. Yeah, and also I liked his thought process too. And he was one of the earliest head coaches of color in the mm-hmm. NFL. Yes. Before there was a black head coach. Yes, I would love to talk Flores. to him about that too. Yeah. Um, to see the opposition that he got from the owners cuz I'm sure yeah. he did. Uh-huh. But you so. know, he made his bones going through, you know, being a player mm-hmm. and then, you know, being assistant. He earned and, every bit of his respect. Yeah, he really did. So and and I think at the time the the racism of the owners and the, their perception of the racism of the country, they, they were more comfortable with a Hispanic head coach than they would be with a black one. I would agree. Because it was less of a jarring visual there thing were, for yeah. white bread America to have to, oh yeah. my God, well, look this at, goes back to what know, we were talking kind of about thing. a couple of podcasts ago about Doug Williams. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then about like how he kind of broke into there. And then Randall Cunningham after that about yeah. how, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't have black uh, um, quarterbacks. No, you just don't. Yeah, there was a real clamp down on it after that. They got motherfucked for so long by the media and everybody. They got motherfucked. They're like, oh, no, no. They run too much. They can't hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then what was it? Jimmy the Greek said that they don't have the... they have the body to be great athletes, but, but they, they don't, don't have, have the mind. The mind, yeah. To be like you know a quarterback or, or head coach or anything. And that's Jimmy why the got Greek Jimmy was the Greek a well-known fucking idiot too. Yeah, that's what got him run off TV, yes, and it should have too. The guy <laughs> yeah. was a, number one. The guy was not entertaining at all. No. He should have never been in the position he was. No, he was he was a bookie. Yeah, and and he gave odds. Mm-hmm. And he was wrong most of the time. He was wrong he, but he almost ninety nine percent of the time. He was wrong. But you know, he was a flamboyant asshole. Yeah. And people enjoyed that on TV at the time. You I know, mean, the Howard Cosell guy, was a flamboyant asshole. Yeah. The only guy that's getting ready to go to Howard Cosell. He's the only guy that got away with that. Yeah. Because remember, he said, "Run, monkey, run." Yes. And he got away with it. He got away with it. I, I he was. He called an African American player yeah. a monkey he, yeah when he was running TV. down the field and he said run monkey look it up but we're not making this shit up oh my gosh and even it then hurts. it hurts even to even in the it. 70s it was shocking <laughs> yeah even in the 70s oh. all these old racist fucks were did he just say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so think of that all these races were sitting in their house going he can't say that <laughs> it's like you, you tell these people so long that they can't say it, and then someone says it, and they're like, wait a minute, 
Yes. Where's the lightning bolt? Yeah. You know, where's the? Where's That's the, how bad it was. The is because the people, the people who probably actively said the N word every day, yeah, was gasping when uh-huh. he said it. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> RG three just like last oh, week. Yeah. He used the J word. Mm-hmm. The one that 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 ends in double O's. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah, I don't know how popular the word is anymore. Yes, the ending of the J word is similar to the word taboo, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you get what I mean. That's what RG3 That's said. That's one of those words that the younger people may not get, but people that have been our age will get. Yeah. Because it used to be a ha-ha word for uh-huh. people, for racists. They'd be like, oh, look at that. No. Yeah, I I grew up hearing that word and understood in, in popular culture that it meant uh, ignorant, um, basically savage. the same as in, as the M word. Yeah, like a subhuman or whatever, yeah. you know, derogatory, like just making them nothing, you know, just calling uh-huh. them this word to make them like inferior. Uh, it, so. it, here's another thing to Google. Take a look at some of the. Uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons from like the 50s, the 40s or the 50s, mm-hmm. where they show the African natives. Yes. Insanely racist. Oh my God. With the big lips and uh-huh. all that. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what that J word, uh, that's what I thought people meant when they said the J word when I was a kid. It's like, oh, you mean these, you know, with the big giant round white O for a mouth. And yes, yeah, yeah, and the big white eyes. Uh-huh. And, yeah, yeah. Jumping that. and dancing around. See, that's that's what RG3 <laughs> doesn't understand. Yes. <laughs> it's that's not what, just that's a cute little term. <laughs> and now that you you told me about that, I, I can't believe that he would use that term. I can't believe that he would thought... That he would think that it was okay. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he never understood its origin. Him bleeding, yeah. That's that kind of makes me think, like he didn't really understand what that word used to mean. Yeah, or still does, or whatever. Or you know, like you know, like the word gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody came and saw it, okay, well, you know, that's that's got this I'll horribly you racist if origin. You talk to him one on one, he'd be know, like, I, would, I had no idea that's what that uh, word meant. Yeah, because. He is a stand-up guy. I've always admired him. The Washington ruined him, uh-huh. bringing him back on the field too quick. Yeah, he was going to be one hell of a quarterback, a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. But he was ruined because he got rushed off a of knee surgery so quick and brought back. It destroyed him. It destroyed his knee. He never yeah. was able to play very well again. Yeah, he was. He was very, very much mishandled. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, his his ignorance of its its impact and its meaning it reminds me of a guy I I worked with for a while in the '90s when I was at the Rosedale station. Mm-hmm. Um, a white guy born and raised in Johnson County in all white neighborhoods, went to all white schools, you know, and and he was really kind of sheltered and kind of naive I've known, about I've some known, things. I've known people like yeah. that. I know you're talking about. Um, and the subject of the rest of the restaurant called Cracker Barrel came up, and we were talking about it while we were working. And someone asked what I thought of Cracker Barrel, and I said, "Eh, nice restaurant, but I don't like the racist name." And then everyone, you know, chuckled a little bit. And, and then Tony's like, "Racist name, Barrel?" You know, and he's no Cracker. Cra- well, you know where the what? name Cracker, cracker? originated. He from. had no idea Cracker a was Georgia Cracker, was an uh-huh. a whip. 
cracker. Uh huh. So a plantation owner that cracked whips on the slaves, or the the boss that he had out working on in the fields with them, who was yes. you know usually a pretty sleazeball character. Yes. So yeah, that was. It has nothing to do with the uh, with like a saltine or something. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but he had no idea what cracker meant. Or that know, it was, I, it I was, could uh, see that. I could see that. Uh-huh. I it's, really could. It's it's nowhere near as as abrasive or as as insulting as you know some of the terms that white people have come up for. We could say other cracker color, were, uh, but you know. well, like I said, I'm seasonably other, and Christopher's definitely usually he's just white. Yeah. So uh, so um, okay, we can say this. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I That's why I understand it, right? If yeah. you're it, you can say it. Okay. I, I remember using the, that term in front of a supervisor once. I was angry at this neighborhood um, where they were all, mm, let's say, out of that whole neighborhood, I doubt any of them finished beyond the like the tenth grade, <laughs> and they acted like it. Yeah. And it was it was an all white neighborhood, and I think there was some white supremacy going around. Um, there was a big auto chop shop right in the middle of it that got raided one day. That was fun. Um, but um, I was pissed off at them because this whole neighborhood, they let their dogs run loose, and I was constantly being chased. And I was talking to my supervisor, who was black, and I was saying, I, I'm so sick and tired of that whole neighborhood, whole neighborhood full of crackers. And his eyes got real big and went, Whoa, whoa, I don't think you should be talking like that. <laughs> Relax, thought, it's just all us. And you know, uh, I, and later I thought, well, yeah, if he had you know whipped out the N word in front of me, I would have been pretty taken aback. So I, yeah. I you know, I get what he meant, but yeah, well, I shouldn't have said the word, you know. But I was, I was, I was pretty upset at the time because I just had three dogs chase my ass back to the jeep. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not the one who turned in the chop shot. Somebody else did. So. But yeah, one of the neighbors said, uh, oh yeah, they were here last night. They took everybody out in handcuffs, and they <laughs> took that fence down, and they pulled out about ten cars. That's and what they the dogs were doing there, pieces right? pieces of cars, and yeah, that's the, what the dogs were protecting. You want to know where all these cars disappeared to? Yep. That's where they disappeared to. Yeah, it's... That a lot of these stolen cars wind up just being parts. Yeah. After you know twelve hours, they're just a pile of parts. Yeah, they cut up the whole car mm. and take it to the scrapper. It's gone. All the serial numbers are yeah. uh, are gone. Everything. Yeah. So, and then the it's parted out. And it makes it so much harder to prosecute and find your car because yeah. they get rid of the incriminating parts. Yeah, and then, and it's then just they like, sell the parts that are left. It's, where'd you get this at? Oh, I just bought it some guy. He had some Some guy scrap. brought it in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah it's amazing. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, but okay. Look at his wander goblin, off on topics. Goblin mode. Goblin okay, mode. Okay, we gotta go back to it. <laughs> I've had this paper in my hand yes. for a long time. I might as well just go ahead and read it all and then we can move on. <laughs> I... Oxford English Dictionary defines goblin mode, a slang term as a... Oh, okay, I already went over all this, okay. The term was first seen on Twitter in 2009, but it became a popular idea online in February 2022 when people started to return to more aspects of their pre-pandemic lives, mm. according to the press release. Oh, okay. The term then rose in popularity over the months following as COVID lockdown restrictions eased in many countries, oh, and people yeah. ventured 
out of their homes more regularly. Seemingly, it uh, captured the prevailing mood of individuals who rejected the idea of returning to normal life or rebelled against the increasingly unattainable aesthetic standards and unsustainable lifestyles exhibited on social media. Yeah. The release yeah. explained. So. That makes sense. That Goblin really does. Goblin Mode is the 2022 term word of the year. And that is why, and I totally... Yeah, well, let's give it a round of clap. Yay, Goblin Mode. Round of clap for Goblin Mode. Yay, Gob, Goblin, yay. See, everybody's looking at us now. <laughs> it's his birthday. It's his birthday today. Hey, oh, they're going to come over here with that fucking cake. <laughs> if you hear clipping, it's because they started singing to me, you fucker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're lucky I didn't say I proposed to you. Then they really... Oh, that fun. I dare you. I dare you. Uh, next time the waiter comes over, I'm going to hold your hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'll get you back. I'll hold your penis. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say if I hold your hand, we'll get like a free drink or something. Yeah, if I hold your penis, we'll get thrown out. Yes, we'll get, yeah. <laughs> you know they see you down there with a pair of tweezers and a magnifying glass trying to hold my penis. So. Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lovers gone wrong, have you uh, have you heard about the Antonio Brown deal? Oh, tell me. This and, is the football player, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is the one already? that Tom Brady very greedily brought back, knowing that he was a fucking maniac, just mm-hmm. a, a, a space cadet. But Buck, he brought him back to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Bucks Super lost Bowls. today, by the way, and Brady, <laughs> Brady threw three pick, two picks. Yeah, even though it was one. against the Bengals, but still, I guess, you know what, it's still fun seeing Tom Brady yell at people and get pissed off when he's the biggest issue. Yes. Well, I mean, he can be. He isn't all the time, but today he was an issue. Yeah. So, um, Antonio Brown continues his obsession against Tom Brady. Trolling Brady by uh, targeting his soon-to-be ex-wife wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. Tampa was destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers before they got destroyed by the Bengals. They're leading 17-3 at halftime, and then, (laughs) so, anyhow, and then they lost like 34-23 or something. Brown posted an image of Brady getting choked out by a Niners player with the following caption, I got the game in the squeeze. Whatever that means... Do you have an idea what that means? Is it and the squeeze or in the squeeze? In the squeeze. Okay, the squeeze could refer to Brady's girlfriend. That's what I was wondering. Ex-wife. She's the squeeze. And uh, he might be saying, I've got... He's saying, I've got my game in her squeeze, or your old squeeze. It or, could be, yeah. I think yeah. it's because that's a common you know, a way to disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, is to say I I I fuck your ex or I fucked your while she wasn't your ex. Well, he did he did live at Tom Brady's house for a while. Yeah, and they are divorced now or quickly going that way. Yeah, who knows? It was quickly removed. Brown continues to have an issue with Brady, even though Brady resurrected his career. No one else would come close to taking a chance on him. The Bucks have not had a good season by any measure. No. Going from Super Bowl favorite to below 500 team, possibly given the weakest division to the quarterback-less Falcons. Yeah. So, Mm. the team appears to be falling apart. Reports now have surfaced that Brady has been holding secret meetings with his skill position players without any coach's knowledge, 
He repeatedly makes changes in the game plan before the game with Bucks coaches, and they don't see it until the game. So, I mean, now, um, the reason I kind of paused wow, when I said the Falcons is, since I, since I put this article down, mm-hmm. okay, that has changed. The Falcons no longer have an edge over them. Yeah. Um, let's see, the, the Falcons lost. Who is it? Is it no Carolina lost? So I think, that, um, I think that Tampa Bay, because that was a Thursday night game that they lost to, mm-hmm. I think uh, the San Fran, now Tampa Bay has the edge again. So oh, okay. that's why I kind of like stopped there. I didn't mean to, but I had to think about it because there was another game played and the two of mm-hmm. the other teams lost. And they lost two, so what happened is, is uh, I think the Bucks still have like the um, edge over Carolina yeah. and the Falcons. Okay, but so still, it sounds like Tom Brady is like taking control. It, what you're saying, he's he's like dictating game plan and, and making changes to the game plan to suit him. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. It, well, that was the part that I went into. I had to skip over some of it because, like I said, the landscape of that division changed so much. Yeah, they're so it, they're um, also bad. Yeah, they're, they're jostling all for last place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're all like uh, doing. They're all like below 500 or 500 or whatever. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, I had to skip over some of that, but the part that I went to, which was later on down, um, was this right here. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady is holding secret meetings without the coaching staff knowing about it. Yeah. And he's changing the game plan without the coaching staff knowing about it. So he and the players are coming up with a game plan that they're going to run no matter what the coaches say. Yeah, how would you like to be the coaches? And all of a sudden you're in mid-game, and all yep. of a sudden it's like, wait, what, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Tom discussed it in the meeting. What yeah. meeting? The, the, one one where, he, the one where he's got your balls in his pocket? Yes. <laughs> he has just emasculated the coaching I, staff. I've got a theory on that, too. He emasculated Gosh. Bruce Arians so bad that Bruce Arians stepped down. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. The owner is is ready to to just you know suck Tom Brady's dick in a moment's well, notice. Okay, I got a theory on that. Or the Tom Brady manager. is Joe Montana's been his idol. He grew up in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Jimmy Garoppolo is out of there. He's gone after this year. They don't want him there. Mm-hmm. They don't think that he's their best option to win. Kyle Shanahan doesn't care for him as a football player. Mm-hmm. So, the first it was Trey Lance. Trey Lance is out for the year. And then uh, Garoppolo breaks his foot. Yeah. And then uh, this uh, guy... Uh, Brock just, Purdy. Brock Purdy. <laughs> Chauncey Purdy comes in. Ain't he Purdy? Yeah. Purdy Chauncey, got a Purdy mouth. <laughs> Chauncey Purdy mouth <laughs> yes. comes in and guides him to wins. But, I mean, just like throwing great and everything. Yep. So, Mops Garoppolo's the out of there. Tom Brady wants to come in there and play for them. He always did. Wow, Tom Brady finishing his career as a Niner. That's what he wants. I this could, thing I has been going around forever. That. And that whole Miami thing fell apart. They got Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to get Tom Brady over there. But um, it was uh, one of the uh, one of the higher ups said, "We're not going to give him seven picks for Tom Brady. We yeah. think uh, Tua can do a good enough job." So, 
Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. he doesn't. He doesn't want to be in Tampa. He yeah. wants to be in San Francisco, and that's how come the oh, and also the other reason supposedly the Miami trade blew up is because they wanted to sign him to a multi-year deal, and oh, he doesn't want that. No, he's just like take a year and then I'll see what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So he likes it like it is right there in Tampa to where he can leave at the end of the year. Yeah. And he wants to go over there and get a couple of rings uh, in his, uh, you know. In his 40s in San Francisco? Wow. That would be something. I think that he's lost enough now of his arm and ability to where he ought to be thinking about taking up that fucking, was it CBS or Fox that offered him all that money? He signed the deal. Yeah. He ought to really think, he ought to really consider doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, you so, know, if, if the Niners go back to their famous West Coast offense, it's all short passes anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think that's another reason, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all Garoppolo's been doing. Yeah. You don't ever see Garoppolo launch one like Mahomes does. Yeah. You don't see him do uh, like Herbert does or uh, or um, Josh Allen. It's 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 the philosophy that if you throw a pass for four yards, that's just as good as a four yard run. So why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Andy Reid's theory. Any pass play under five yards is a run to them. So according to them, we're one of the running runningest teams around. Oh, okay. He said that a couple of years so, ago. Yeah, they lump that in with the running game as yes. every pass under four under and five. And like yards. I've always said. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, 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 no. So, yeah. anyhow. Well, um, while we're talking, we mentioned uh, disrespecting somebody by uh, um, saying you, you boinked their wife or ex. Uh, I was seeing a, a show earlier about the, uh, the 90s, the decade of the 90s, and they mentioned uh, the death of Tupac Shakur. And it was during the East Coast, West Coast hardcore rapper feud. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, There's been so many theories about that, but go ahead, I want to hear this one. The, you know, and they gave examples of, you know, the the diss tracks that were put on various albums and the and the imagery and, and things, but uh, I remember at the time that it happened, there were various theories going around as to who did it and, and how and why, and one thing that came up for a while anyway, was that the whole East Coast, West Coast feud was a publicity stunt that went horribly wrong. I was wondering there if you are going to go there. There never was any kind of feud. It was just manufactured to sell more records, but it had it took on a life of its own, and it cost... Did one of Run DMC say that first? Uh, I think so. Yeah. But it, it soon got squelched. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, no, 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 uh-huh. we need this uh-huh. to sell records. Yeah, and dumb kids, what are they going to do? Yeah, you know. And plus, if if it came out that it really was a publicity stunt to begin with, then all sorts of liability yes. suddenly comes into play, and, and lawsuits get stacked up. And so, yeah, it was with it was in everybody's best interest to say, uh, clam up. It was it was let's, never a publicity stunt. very urban friendly here we try we try to be we try to be uh, so okay let me put it like this 
the back masking in the 70s and 80s, uh-huh. this was the, do, the new back masking. Mm. This is how they sold to urban kids, was an East Coast, West Coast feud. How did they sell to me and you when we were growing up? Oh, there's devil worship and lyrics uh-huh. backwards in it. Yeah. So... It's gimmicks. Yeah. All of it is gimmicks to sell records. Yeah. Cause buzz. Make people buy this and look for little clues. Like yeah. they look yeah, on the exactly. back and and the guy like has a gun aimed at like New York or something. You know, all this stuff made them sell albums. And that's the only thing the record companies gave a shit about. Yeah. So they manufactured this deal, but it went out of hand. Yeah. And I do believe that one, a run DMC, was it Rev Run or somebody said that there never was a feud, uh-huh. that it was manufactured and it got out of hand. And and the songs that had the, the disrespect in them was, you know, it was like a soap opera and each song was an episode. So you had to keep yes. buying the music and listening to the music to get the clues as to, yep. you know, who hated who and how the feud was going. And yeah, this is all, you know, right up the alley of your basic entertainment promoter. Yes. And I'll go, I'll go even further. Okay. During the 80s for a while after the whole... They weren't, but they started it uh-huh. because it made people buy their albums and say their name. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers. Was it Bon Jovi that said that, like, yeah, yeah, we we helped start that rumor that he was gay? Yeah, yeah. Because it helped sell records. Tom Cruise helped to start, foster the rumor that he was, like, the number one gay download. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Um, um Richard Gere and the famous hamster. No, I don't know if he had anything with that or not. <laughs> yeah. I think that was by a hater. That guy all got all this marvelous fucking pussy. And someone got mad and said, Well, you know what he does? He sticks hamsters in his ass. I saw it. I saw it. I know a guy that knows him. Hello. He is You might know me from my pet name, Inflation. I'm here to tell you that there's no better way to relax than listen to two douchebags in microphone by a nice warm fire at night. I sit there and I reflect on all the souls I burned that day. Enjoy. From the makers of Who Bit My Asshole board game and guess whose discharge kit comes. Two douchebags and a microphone action figures. Each action figure comes with three free mullets, a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, and a box of antibiotics. Collect both and watch your neighbors move. Act now and get a free at-home taint piercing kit. That's right, free taint piercing kit. kit. New from Gisbro. He has a fucking gerbil farm down a southern mouth. I don't know if you remember a... Uh, uh singer from the uh, 70s and 80s named Gino Vanelli. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He was uh, at the time he had this huge black curly perm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he, he had the uh, Italian fro. Yeah, he's yeah. he's ethnically Italian. He's a Canadian citizen. Yes. Um, and his music was kind of synthesizer meets yeah, jazz yeah. meets latin he was actually pretty interesting to listen to yeah he yeah had some good stuff i enjoyed some of his stuff he, he wrote had a couple great of ballads. 
living inside my your, myself was a yeah, big yes. hit, and, and, and he uh, actually done really well with the women too. Women yeah. really enjoyed him. So there was a couple albums where his backing band was uh, a big chunk of uh, Carlos Santana's backing yes. band. Yes, yeah, and those were some really really neat albums. Yeah, they were because they brought a lot of the Santana feel. Yeah, to him who was completely different. Yeah. Obviously, than Carlos Santana. Yeah. Musically, looks, everything. Yeah. But it was very interesting because they brought a different element to it. And mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed those albums even a little bit more than the others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I remember at the time, you know, he was, you know, photographed as a heartthrob. He was never never yes. more than one or two buttons down at the bottom of his shirt that were yes. buttoned. The rest was open, you know, and... Always flattering camera angles on these shots and stuff. Yeah, and he and, always did the pose. Mm-hmm. That and, stern and, look with your bottom lip a little bit down. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rumors started coming around that he was gay. Yes, and I kind of believe that. Broke my sister's heart because she, <laughs> yeah. she was just thought he was the hottest thing ever. Yeah, a lot of um, women did. And then, you know, I, I would look up. You know information about him, and, and you know before the internet really got going, uh-huh. you couldn't find a whole lot. But uh, eventually, like in the in like 2010 or something, I looked up some. It more was of like the stuff. first Fabio. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, and I and I found him on uh, his, like it was a Wikipedia page. Oh wait a minute, and Fabio, the, look him up. Yeah, yeah, there yeah you go. If you're younger, remember but, when he got hit in the fucking face with that bird? He was yes. on a roller coaster. It showed a picture of his fucking huge nose, his fucking bleeding everywhere. Uh-huh. Anyhow, go ahead. That was so Fabio. Then. No, it wasn't. It was funny. <laughs> My elbow would have sucked. But in the section of the Wikipedia bio that uh, talked about his career, um, it said that his management group decided to intentionally market him to a gay audience. I and could see that. Therefore, they suppressed anything about him dating or seeing a woman or being with a woman and help spread the rumors that he was gay mm-hmm. because they felt that he would sell really well to a gay audience and they would buy his albums more if they thought he was gay. I could believe that. So, you know, what a heartless manipulation, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it turns out he's he's not gay. He's, he got married to a woman and they had some children. Yeah. But just the... When you mentioned that you know after the seventies, all of a sudden everyone, oh, everyone's gay. It's like, well, <laughs> he kind of rode that <laughs> that popularity. Yeah, only it was like the uh, we're going to let you we're going to let you determine that mm-hmm. because of certain factors. Yeah, but we're not going to say that, yeah. and we're not going to start that. Yeah. yeah, and it could have been actually Gino himself going, I don't want to be known as gay. Who knows? Yeah. But, so who knows? But anyhow, it worked. Yeah, yeah. He had he had a successful uh, career, made a number of albums, and then he started working, I guess, on soundtracks and other things. And and then he did a remake album of a lot of his uh, material, but done in a more R and B style, which I think is what he's into now. I forgot and maybe, about that. That may be what he you know originally wanted to be, but it wouldn't sell. So they said, "Here's the sound you need." You know, here's the image you need. This well, will sell. Well, it's like Richard Marks. That guy can play anything. Yeah. But he knows what sells. Mm-hmm. And he gets that mailbox money. Yeah. 
He was talking about it, I think, on uh, Bubba Love Sponge Show. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, they had him on there, and the dude's tough as nails. He's so fucking cool. <laughs> but he was talking about mailbox money, and he said, yeah, he goes, all the hits I wrote, he said, I go out to the mailbox, and there's a check in there mm-hmm. every month. Yeah. And also, Richard Marks was not only successful solo, but he also wrote a lot of songs that people don't know. Yeah, yeah. Cause... Like Desmond Child. Uh-huh. Uh, virtually every hit in the 80s and early 90s that was kind of pop rock, mm-hmm. from Aerosmith to Kiss um, to, I think, Foreigner. Maybe, for, was it Foreigner? I don't remember. Well, anyhow. Hearing, but he, he worked with Alice. Alice Cooper, too, yes. Yeah. He and worked with probably all Winger. of these. Yeah, Winger, too, yeah. Desmond Child wrote most of these songs. Yeah. And, and there, there are a lot of really good songwriters who just really don't want to perform or go Desmond tour. Desmond Child came out with one album to, that I know of. They're happy to write songs for other people to go make a hit out of. Well, Desmond Child, <laughs> he had nice hair and he was a nice looking guy and everything, mm-hmm. but he did not have the it factor and he knew it. Yeah. He came out with one album and I bought that album oh, and wow. I liked it, but it didn't punch through. Mm-hmm. It was just like, he was like a good singer. The song sounded good, but it needed a Steven Tyler or it needed yeah. a Paul Stanley and Alice Cooper to be doing it. Wouldn't that be a, a real sense of frustration to hear the song in your head the way you want it done, but you're incapable of doing it? So you have uh, yeah, to go get every day, else to do every it. day on guitar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I identify with that very well. <laughs> yeah, like, I know what you mean. Man, I could do this so well if I didn't suck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking all thumbs mark over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Yep, oh, <laughs> believe my. me. You know what? Well, we're on the uh, subject of musicians. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Has hit another career high with his first ever career. Back-to-back number one rock radio singles. Wow. Can you believe that he's never had that before? With all his success and all his fame and everything, he's never had back-to-back number ones. You know, it... I find that hard to believe. On the one hand, it's hard to believe, but on the other hand, I've been learning more and more that a lot of these bands that I thought were super successful, like, never had a number one. And you think, no! They no, never had true. And he, Kiss's number one was like Beth. Uh-huh. Wasn't that it? And I think that's it. Yeah. And it's look it's how amazing. successful they are. So it's 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 tough yeah. to get a number one and then to get two of them. Aerosmith. And then to get two in a row. Never hit a number one till the eighties. Yeah. And guess who wrote them? Desmond, Desmond Child. Child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, the first ever career back to back number one rock radio singles. From his hugely successful and critically acclaimed Patient Number 9, which, in my opinion, listen, Randy Rhodes, awesome. Mm-hmm. Jakey Lee, awesome. Uh, Joe Holmes, the, he did Osmosis and, mm-hmm. um, oh, fuck, what, the one, uh, anyhow, okay. Um, anyhow, all of them, Zach Wild, uh-huh. fantastic, great musicians, genius, mm-hmm. all of them. But his Patient Number 9 is the best album he has ever done because he tapped into Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Duff McKagan, Tony Iommi. Um, Mm. Who was the drummer that died? Uh, Taylor Hawkins. 
Wow. Chad Smith. He Whoa. went to all of these people. Some of them is idols, some of them he just likes. Yeah. And he tapped into their creativity only with an Aussie twist. And it has been nothing but genius from patient number nine with Jeff Beck and the guitar angles and the feel that that guy comes from. Yeah. That guy was a Steve Vai before Steve Vai knew he was a Steve Vai with yeah. all the sounds and the emotions that he came up with guitar. He didn't have to say what he was trying to explain. You knew it mm-hmm. because Jeff Beck was that good. And then, is is the whole album out now? Or, yes, you know he was releasing I've got the it song at the house. Oh, it, it's all out and it's all brilliant. Okay. Even the stuff without Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck and Taylor Hawkins mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Iommi. Actually, my least favorite songs on there, which is so weird, are the ones with Tony Iommi. No Because wow. they're predictable. Oh. The, the one of these days with Eric Clapton mm-hmm. is just genius. Eric... Clapton plays his fucking balls off. (laughs) And Ozzy sounds so fluid just doing this. It's a match made in heaven that wouldn't seem like it was. And with Jeff Beck, in my feeling, Jeff Beck, if he does more albums, should be his studio guitarist on everything. Mm. Because he captures the feeling. And so did Eric Clapton, but to me, Jeff Beck... um, captured the feeling that Ozzy is wanting you to know. Yeah. And I love Zach Wilde. Zach Wilde's one of my favorite guitarists ever. But the way that Eric Clapton does it is just genius. And yeah. it's just it comes from within. It's not something you learn. You have it or you don't. Mm. But anyhow, uh, one of these days and patient number nine, the one with Eric Clapton and one with Jeff Beck, both reached number one on the rock radio charts by media base. Um, anyhow, uh, it follows the number one slot of the album's first single entitled track, Patient Number 9, featuring Jeff Beck, which I already said. And Ozzy said, I'm fucking overwhelmed by the response to this album that, that uh, he's had from everyone. I'm just blown away. Which I can see. Last month, Ozzy was nominated in four categories at the 65th Annual Grammy Awards. The Patient Number 9 title track has been shortlisted for Best Rock Performance and Best Rock Song. Mm-hmm. While the Patient Number 9 LP is in the running for the Best Rock Album, another track, Patient Number 9 Deg- Degregation Rules, featuring Tony Iommi, is up for Best Metal Performance at the Grammys. There are going to be some people saying, well, he's getting all these nominations because people know that he's in failing health and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the reason. No, I would say I, I it's know, more no, that, that they, you know, the fact that he's in failing health, I think, is gets the reason people he's to th- doing this. Yeah, and they get and that gets people thinking, oh my, sh- my God, we overlooked him all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is accolades he should have gotten. It's not like, you know, oh, he's on his way out, let's he's just a, give him some a, meaningless awards. He's a it's backdoor genius. Yeah, he backed into all this because yeah. he didn't even know his own genius. Imagine if he'd started doing this 15 years ago when he I, was a lot healthier. Exactly, I know, Gosh. I know. I know. I just wish Paul McCartney would have taken him up on the offer. That would have been something. That would have been the all-time, I swear. <laughs> Ozzy and Paul. <laughs> well, this is the, this would be the fake Paul, the replacement Paul anyway. Yeah. So. Yep. So. So, patient number nine, released September 9th, and marking Ozzy's 13th solo studio album, triumphantly sets 
new career highs for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and Grammy-winning singer and songwriter. The critically acclaimed album has topped his previous chart entries with record-breaking numbers around the world. In the U.S., the album debuted at number one on multiple charts, top album sales Ozzy's first number one ever on this chart. Wow. Well, and also keep in mind that, I mean, yeah, it's a good feat. It's a great feat, and it's incredible he's doing that at this stage in his career and life. But we don't sell the albums they don't sell like yeah. they used to either. Yeah, it's, it's, a, so. it's a whole different But it's still stat. quite a feat. So yeah, it is. Anyhow. Uh, and uh, top current album sales, another first. Top rock and alternative albums. Top rock albums. Top hard rock albums. Top vinyl albums. And Tastemaker album charts at number three. I, I, I looked that up, and it's like a different system that huh. they used to count yeah, anyhow to me it didn't make a lot of sense so mm. anyhow and number three on the billboard 200 albums chart globally the album charted at number one nice number one in canada um, career high number two entries in the uk australia finland and italy Number six in the Netherlands and New Zealand. Number eight in Belgium. Number 14 in France. That's because they're stupid over there. (laughs) Other highlights include number two in Austria, Germany, and Sweden. Number three in Switzerland. And number four in Norway. So congratulations, Ozzy. Amazing. My hat's off once again to you. Mm. To me, the greatest entertainer of my lifetime. Musically. He's had an amazing, varied career. I mean... some people think always oh, just been this hard rock guy or whatever. Yep. No, it's it's been quite a quite a career. There's been yeah. t- twists and turns, ups and downs. Who do you think's going to play him in the movie? Um. Oh, okay. That they're working on that right now. Yeah. And it's how Ozzy and Sharon how they met and how she basically saved his life mm-hmm. because he was killing himself with drugs and alcohol. Uh-huh. And they got the guy already. I forgot his name, but you can see it on. Um, uh, 2021's, uh, um, damn it, what the fuck is the name of that album now? I can't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, anyhow, it's, uh, anyhow, it is a, uh, biopic. Okay. A motion picture biopic that's coming out here in a year or so. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really, did to, to do justice to his whole life, you'd have to have like a, a limited series. Yes, you know, because in one movie you can maybe encompass a third, and even at that, you're running past everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's better than nothing, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he ever his life story ever gets the detailed treatment it deserves. Um, or, it'd be entertaining ordinary as man. Hell. Ordinary Man is the name of it. Wow, that fits. Because he was yeah. just a guy. That you know? was uh, You heard the also term Jag, the, just a guy? Yeah. That was him. He was yeah. just a guy. He was. <laughs> and his dad told him a long time ago, he said, Ozzy, what I have for you is either something special or prison. He said, neither one, nothing else. Mm. Um, I saw that on Don't Blame Me, which I've, I still have somewhere, yeah. which is the two-hour back uh, in 94, 95 where he just highlighted his whole career 
talked about everything from getting kicked out of Sabbath, Dio taking over to a solo, yeah. how he backed into a lot of this stuff, how he did this stupid shit, how mm-hmm. he almost fucked his crew up, how Sharon saved his life. You know. Ordinary I, I Man, think... the the song, it was produced by Andrew Watt, which is an emerging younger guy on the scene. Mm-hmm. He played um, in California Breed with Glenn Hughes and Jason Bonham. Oh, okay. Which was um, basic, basically... Um, <laughs> It was Black Country Communion after uh, the guitarist left. Um, I oh, forgot. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, the blues guy. But anyhow, um, Ordinary Man, the song itself, was him and Elton John. And it was a very, very good song. And it did very well. So, anyhow, the, biop- the biopic is coming from there. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, the name, of, I'm looking for the name of the song. Um, let me see. Under the Graveyard. Under the Graveyard, okay. Under the Graveyard. And it is a song about how Sharon saved his life Uh and how he was killing himself. Yeah. And Under the Graveyard, I don't know if that's going to be the name of the actual motion picture biopic. Yeah. Or if that's just the name of the song and that's it. But I I can't wait for that to come out. I think Ordinary Man would be a good title for, for the movie. It might um, be Ordinary Man. Yeah. I think that would be excellent, and that would describe it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, re- I read a book a long time ago. It was either about Black Sabbath. I think it was about Ozzy himself. But it was probably um, before he left Black Sabbath, because it didn't have anything in there about him. And really about the only thing I remember is he was just kind of an ordinary kid growing up, and that he gave himself his first tattoos, which mm-hmm. was a smiley face on one kneecap and a frowny face on the other. Yep. And, uh, he <laughs> or maybe it was Birmingham, smiley faces England. on both there or something. But he said he always wanted to have a smiling face to look at, so he put smiley faces on his knees. Um, I'll tell you one a good book, and I'll loan it to you if you want to read it. It's Iron Man by Tony Iommi. Oh, that would be good. Tony Iommi. It was really cool, some of the stuff uh, that's in it. Well, he lost his fingertips. Which led to his sound. Yeah. Because if you hear him in Jethro Tull, uh-huh. sounds completely different. You can't tell it's Tony Iommi. Yeah. But that's before he lost his fingertips. Ah. Okay. He played in Jethro Tull for two albums, I think. I think so. Yeah. Well, his guitar, and there wasn't anything really special about it. So after he lost his fingertips, he had to play heavier and hold notes longer. I think he got wound up getting heavier strings, too. That, too. Yeah. There was a lot of different things that he had to do. What what we would consider normal guitar string gauges back then were, like, super heavy. Yes. And you had to get, like, banjo strings. And he came up with his own sound, too. Uh-huh. That made him come up with his own sound. He claims all he does is just Marshall's cranked up, but no. No, it's that's not Half it. the sound is in your fingertips. Yes. It really is. Yes. Yeah. So his sound and everything, he had to change his sound around considerably. And that came up with his invention in quotations of heavy metal. I do believe that he is the guy that invented it. I mean, there's stuff similar to it, like Iron Butterfly and stuff, uh-huh. but not his style, not the yeah. way he did it. I, I could, I would not argue at all with so, him being the inventor, excuse me, the father of heavy metal. I wouldn't either. So, Tony Iommi, his uh, parents owned a machine shop. Mm-hmm. So, he just got this uh, deal, 
put Sabbath together and he's just getting ready to go on tour and um, and make the album, you know, the, the first album. Uh-huh. And his mom told him, you go back in there and you finish your day like you promised your dad. <laughs> That's when the accident happened. Of course. And he lost his fingertips and he was <sighs> like, bloody hell, only this would happen to me and all that stuff. Yeah. But it actually was the proverbial blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because that led to a sound which led to his phenomenally successful in the invention of, air quotations, heavy metal sound. But if you ever want to borrow it, let me know, man. Oh, yes. That book is really, really good. Really, really good. Plus the fact that he played a Gibson SG. Yes. Super awesome guitar. (laughs) Angus Young plays one. I mean, there's so many people that I respect on so many levels that play an SG and Mm -hmm. opt not to play a Les Paul. Yeah, it's so much lighter. It really is. And it does have a completely different sound. And if you want to spend some good money, you spend it on a Les Paul, not an SG. But the people that know... They play SGs. Yeah, yeah, they're about half the price. They yeah. really are as well as Paul. But their sound, the look, the double horn look, everything uh-huh. is just so cool. It is. And didn't Jimmy Page have a uh, a two neck SG? Uh-huh. Yeah, they call that the the G twelve seventy five. Yeah, it's a twelve string neck and a six string neck. Yeah, yeah, you can you can still get those in Gibson and Epiphone. Really, in yeah. an Epiphone too, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, in the Epiphone, they're uh, they were. Re- oh gosh, what did I see them on sale? That Epiphone, there was uh, some store that had the Epiphone version on sale for. I want to say somewhere around eight hundred, which was pretty cheap. And the Gibson would be a better sound, wouldn't it? Than yeah. the Epiphone. Yeah, all of the Epiphones, with the exception of just a few, are made in China. At a really high quality plant. It is a high quality plant, but But it's not the Gibson version. Right, right. They they are fully licensed to use Gibson technology, but they use Chinese equivalents on a lot of stuff. So there is a difference in sound. Exactly parlay in the sound. Yeah. Where if you get a Gibson, then you know Yeah, there's just something extra, I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, There are a few epiphones that are now being made in America. And there are a few Epiphone models that you can get with Gibson pickups installed. Yeah. Um, which I think makes all the difference in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, real quick, you're going to go into Amazon, but here, real quick, I wanted yeah. to go into the other credits that are on this um, on this last album, Patient Number 9. Uh-huh. Mike McCready of Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. Zach Wilde, of course. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned Chad Smith, didn't I? Yeah. And Taylor Hawkins, mm-hmm. Robert Trujillo, oh, Metallica, yeah. Duff McKagan, and Chris Chaney. Oh, who's Chris Chaney? I'm blanking on that. Hang on. Damn it, I knew it when I went into this. Yeah. Hang on. Let's see. It, it's a later band. I mean, not real late, but hang uh-huh. on. And the true. Chris Chaney. And then the, the bass player you what mentioned, Trujillo. Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, all we I both could, should have known that, but yeah, uh, I I was I was thinking of all I could think of was Chad Wackerman. <laughs> and yeah, he yeah. was he was this blonde, looked like Southern California. Now, a brand new feature: strange insults from an alien. 
May you always step in a wet spot after putting on fresh socks. Surfer dude, I mean, he looked like he'd fit right in with the Beach Boys. But I'm, I saw him on stage playing drums for Frank Zappa. And the guy was just a monster behind this bright yellow kit. And, but he just looked like he, he walked right off a 1960s Beach Boy album cover. He looked so <laughs> out of place in my mind. But here he was just playing this intense, complex music from Frank Zappa. So that, anyway, that's who I was thinking. You said uh, Chris Chaney. And all I was thinking was Chad Wackerman for some well, reason. Well, I mean, you and I both know that he came from um, um, Jane's Addiction, but the thing is is sometimes you can't put the name with it and all yeah. that. But yeah. yeah, and the guy is quite brilliant in Jane's Addiction, the way he played and everything, and he fit in this album pretty good. Yeah. So Let's see, who else came out of Jane's Addiction? Dave Navarro, we know. Perry Farrell. Uh, Perry Farrell. Um, There's another one, too. Um Dave Navarro be the most famous. See, he yeah. played in the Chili Peppers for a couple albums. Yeah, I um, remember uh, reading that that the the other members of the Chili Peppers like you know we're all just in awe of Dave Navarro's drug addiction. It's just like scary, crazy, deep addiction. Yeah. the way this <laughs> Dave Navarro even admitted it. He was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> He's cleaned up and, and you know, rescued his life since then. Yeah, but, uh, you read some of the stuff with him and Carmen Electra. Mm. Oh my God, they were in such a fucking fight too. Yeah, popping open a beer. No, that's a clamato, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. clam and beer and tomato juice. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go back to my. Uh, <laughs> um, pub ale that I was drinking before. Yeah. So, anyhow. Um, so, well, okay. I've noticed a recent change in Amazon Music. Uh, I guess anybody who's got Amazon Music has noticed too. Um, when I first got, um, you know, became you can become an Amazon Prime member. And when I first started, it was ninety nine bucks a year. It's mm-hmm. gone up since then. And you got two day shipping on everything. And you got access to their video streaming service, which was Prime Video, and their music streaming service, which was Prime Music. Um, of course, the price has gone up, as I've said, and uh, uh, it's no longer two-day shipping on everything. It's two-day shipping on many things. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there you can't get two-day shipping on. Um, or else they'll sneak it by saying, well... We'll send it two-day shipping, but we're not going to send it for a week. But once we send it, it'll get there in two days. Yep. And they consider that two-day shipping. So, which I don't. But anyway, the change to Am- the, the Prime Music, um, it used to be that if you know any music that was downloaded, you know, it was always there, you could always play it. Um, and then any music you wanted to stream from Prime Music... Um, there's quite a bit you could stream and some was locked behind another paywall which was Prime Music Unlimited for you know so much more a month um, but you could actually download a lot of these songs that you streamed and just have them on your phone you know for a limited time or if you ever quit being a member you no longer have access to them um, I noticed over time that the stuff behind the paywall of Amazon Music Unlimited started getting to be a larger and larger percentage of the music that was out there. 
Um, Then I noticed that every time I started the app, the first thing I get is a full-page ad saying, sign up for Amazon Prime Music Unlimited. Try our 30-day free trial. That always comes up, full-screen ad, that I have to get rid of first before I can access my own music. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now the recent change is... If you have it downloaded, if you've bought it and downloaded it, you can still play it as you please. But if you want to stream any music, then it's shuffle play. Say, you know, there's a particular song on a particular album, and you click that to play it, it'll find something similar to it, maybe on the same album, maybe by a totally different artist, and they'll play that. And they'll play a few other songs, and they'll eventually get around to the one you actually wanted to listen to. Yep. And the way to get around that? Pay the extra for Amazon Prime Music Unlimited. So they're starting to make their own music app unusable unless you pay extra. Yep. I'm already paying for it as part of Prime Music, uh, you know, Prime being a Amazon Prime member. But they want they want me to pay that extra behind that paywall, that extra monthly payment that never ends. So it's it's getting. Imagine you get on YouTube, and you look up a video, and you want to watch that video, and instead it shows you several other videos that it thinks is similar before getting to the one you want. That's what Amazon is doing now with their music streaming service. Mm-hmm. That's they're doing it with music, but that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, you want to see that? Well, you're gonna to have to wait for about ten or fifteen minutes while we run this other stuff through by you and. Yep. Yeah, you know, stu- they're going to play me stuff that they think I'm going to buy because it's a money grab. Uh, yep. And that, who knows? There might even they're going to they're going to put commercials in next. They're going to put you know like on YouTube you have ads at the beginning of the videos. I'm sure Prime Music is going to get to the point unless you're in the you know the extra monthly unlimited. You, even your own songs, you're probably going to have to listen to an advertisement before you can even play a song. Oh, I'm sure. It's coming. Yeah, So it's I, coming. So I just went and downloaded a, just a plain and simple app that all it does is look for the music files on my phone that are exactly. already on the memory and, then, of my, and play yep. those. Yep. And it works for me. It doesn't work for Amazon or Apple or, or uh, any of those other companies. It just works for me. No, no, I agree. And then I'm still figuring out Apple. We're on uh, iTunes now, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to find us. I'm sure there's some sort of a subscription yeah. to where you jump out first or you're in the search or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're they're technically giving us equal uh, yeah, exposure, technically, but yeah, but you know, other people have paid to get to the front of the line. Uh, and it's I in remember, different tiers, yeah. so it's disguised. I, re- I remember that when I was applying for my passport for the first time. It was, you know, apply for the passport and get it in four to six weeks. Or you can It'll pay $75 expedited. more and you'll get it in one or two weeks. It's like, you, you motherfuckers, you can do them all yeah. in one or two weeks. You know why? They're making hell of business with people uh-huh. that didn't realize that the, that cruise companies now require passports. Uh-huh. Even if you don't get off the ship. Yep. Because for a long time there, because I cruise at least once a year, uh-huh. uh, minus the COVID year and a half. Mm-hmm. But, okay, I cruise at least once a year, and I know this. The whole big Iggy was this. Oh, if you don't get off the ship, you don't have to uh, have a passport. 
bullshit. <laughs> and then when they call down there, they make the last payment or something, and they go over it with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, make sure you have your passport. What? Thought I didn't have to have my passport. It's only a month and a half away. Oh, you got to have your passport. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. Then you got to do the, uh, yeah, the, the expedited. expedited. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if, if, if the... Or, or whatever government agency, whatever government agency was that was, you know, that's making the passports. If they can do it in one to two weeks for the people who pay extra, they can do it in one to two weeks for everybody. Yes. So this tells me they're intentionally slowing down the process to make you want to pay for the expedited service. Mm-hmm. And this is our government trying to make a profit off of us. Oh, they are. They make a profit off of yeah. us anyhow. I mean. Uh, they, all we are is just uh, machinery for them to make their money, yeah. steal their money. I think, you know, in all parody and, and, and satire, allegedly, that we should just burn the motherfuckers out of Congress and get a whole I, new batch. I would, I would agree with that 100%. Allegedly. Of course, allegedly, we'd never do this in real life, but I'll tell you what, it's an entertaining thought, isn't it? Yep. Imagine oh. a whole new crop, 100% of them. Brand new, never been in there before. And then they have the precedent of what happened to the people before them. (laughs) Um, Real quick, I wanted to go into uh, uh, what your wife did for me and Val Mm -hmm. when we were on our cruise. This is, what, seven years ago, maybe? Oh, I remember this. I forgot the passports at home. Yeah. And I was going to go ahead, when I got to the airport and realized I didn't get the passports, I was just going to go ahead and have Val go ahead on the plane. And then I was going to catch the next flight. I was going to run home and get it. She said, no, no, no. I called Cindy. She said she'll get him and overnight him mm-hmm. to us. But then the thing she forgot is I heard about you and Val talking about how unreliable the post office was. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want to do that. I think I'm just going to go ahead and skip my flight and I'm going to fucking go get yeah. them and then come back and I won't pay like, I don't know, 300 extra to get on the next flight. But you have them in your hand. That's why yeah, I Yeah, that's security it. to but, have them in your but hand. But Val said, yeah. oh no, we'll get them. You'll see. But it took till like, we were supposed to be on the boat at one o'clock uh-huh. and we're at the resort in Fort Lauderdale, we're boarding the ship in Miami, which uh-huh. is an hour away. Yeah. And it showed up at 12 o'clock. Oof. Just barely, because Val said if it doesn't show up by 12 o'clock, we're not getting them. 10 till 12, here come the postman. Uh, and he had this big envelope. Uh-huh. And I said, does that say Mark Wallace on it? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Shh. We got our passports, and I had... I had um, um, I had relatives from Canada on the boat already, mm-hmm. so if we we're missing it, we we're not only fucking ourselves, yeah. we're screwing our relatives. It was Oasis of the Seas, the mm-hmm. largest cruise ship at the time with all this cool shit on it. Anyhow, <laughs> thanks to your wife, we got to go, and and the Postal Service did not fuck it up, so that's yeah. good. So. I, I remember delivering quite a few express mails. and With a lot of people like me. <laughs> Pretty much everybody was happy to see me. They were like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Uh, there were very few times that the people did, weren't happy to see me. So, because there must have been something in there. That <laughs> yeah, it was like a <laughs> fucking uh, um, a child uh, support letter. Yeah, or, something. or divorce papers. Divorce papers. Yeah. Fuck you. You tell that bitch I will fucking kill her. I don't <laughs> even know her, dude. <laughs> I, uh, I remember one route I had, there were a lot of businesses uh, that didn't get direct mail delivery. They had a, a post office box at uh, the Muncie station. It was mm-hmm. on uh, 
K60, 65 highway in, in Wyandotte County. Um, so, you know, a ton of businesses, I would just, you know, chuck their mail down into the, uh, um, the bucket to take down to Muncie, drop it off, and he'd sort it into their P.O. box, and then they'd pick it up there. Except for this one business who got their payroll sent mm-hmm. by express mail from a place, I think, in Texas. Uh, every other Friday, they would get this express mail. And it was addressed to their street address instead of their post office box. Mm-hmm. Now, by regulation, I would have to forward it. I would scan it as arrived, but not able to deliver at that address because they have a post office box, and you, you're not supposed to deliver to two locations for the same. They either get oh. mail at their business, or get they get Got mail it. in Got the PO box. Yeah. Not both, and uh, that has since changed. But at the time, it was like one or the other, and I said, oh my God, this is their express mail. I better go ahead and take it out there and knock on the door and, you know, see if someone is there to... And when I got there, she said, oh, thank goodness you're here. This is our payroll. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, so you're going to keep getting these? And she said, yeah, every two weeks, we're going to get an express mail like this. You know, we love it that everything else goes to our P.O. box, but we love it that you bring this one here directly to us. Oh, okay. Otherwise, we don't get it in time. So, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So I had to break the, you know, I talked it over with the station manager. He said, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. So we were breaking the rules just to give the customer what they wanted. But that was a business that they, you know, every time I'd walk in, they were like, They were happy to say, yay, here's our money. (laughs) uh, Fridays there, apparently, were very casual Fridays, and especially payday Fridays. (laughs) But, you know, that was the only time I'd set foot in the business. Once every two weeks, I'd walk in the door and hand them this express mail full of their payroll. Very cool. They loved me. (laughs) That's great. They only saw me when they got paid. <laughs> or they only got paid when they saw me. Hey, where did everybody go? Where the douchebags? Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Man, that smells. <laughs> <laughs>